Um, this morning we've been kind of on a journey of authentic or genuine faith. And uh, in, in this series, I knew there absolutely had to be a sermon on genuine worship. It's a part of what we do. It's a part of what we come together for. I mean, a significant portion of our time on Sunday mornings is spent in this position or in this in this posture. And so I felt like we had to have a moment where we reflected on what genuine worship is. And we're blessed as a church. Amen. I'm going to say that again because I, I, I know that. But we're blessed as a church. Amen. And, and I want to I want to I want to highlight this morning because sometimes we miss the things that God has done. We're blessed as a church not just because of what God's doing, but because of who he's called. And, and we have someone in our church who God has called to lead worship. I mean, think of that. God has called someone. We're blessed because we have someone in our church who God has called to lead our kids' ministries. And we're blessed because he's called uh, each of us to be a part of this. But we, God has called. He's placed someone in our church with an anointing to lead worship. So as a pastor, I thought, what better way, who better to explain the idea of genuine worship than our, our, our very own worship leader? So I asked Walt that he would share this morning on authentic worship or genuine worship for us. So, Walt, it's your service. Thank you. Well, <laughs> I guess I'll start out by saying if... Uh, the 30 minutes we do on Sunday is all that you consider worship to be, you're missing out. I'm not saying that that's not good, and I'm not saying that that's not an important piece, but that is just a piece. And and always when we spend time giving God worship and praise, uh, I'm not going to say it's a waste of time, I'm not going to say, but I will say you're missing the fullness of what worship is if it's just this time when I'm up front and and. And, and leading a corporate worship service. That's just a, should be just a small piece of our life, uh, as, as it relates to worship. And so, I want to make sure this morning that what I'm going to talk about relates to that 30 minute worship service, but even more so, it's applicable to the six other days a week that you're not in this service, that we're not gathered together, uh, because worship needs to be a discipline that's a daily thing for the believer uh, throughout our life. And kind of maybe what uh, got Pastor moving this way, I don't know, it's been a couple of months ago at least, as far as having me share with you this morning on worship, was I shared that I'd been out hunting uh, the day before with my dog Kit, and she's a German short hair pointer. And for those of you who haven't been around a German short hair pointer, they live to do really one thing, and that's find a bird and point it. And uh, she gets so much joy in uh, in doing that activity, uh, you can just see in her body that that is what she was born for. That is the purpose of her life, is to find a bird and point it. And uh, as I was walking that day uh, and watching this dog do this, I felt in my spirit God say to me, you know, that's pretty good. Uh, that, that's a pretty good example of worship. That dog's worshiping you. And I said, well, what do you mean? And so uh, I kind of, in my spirit, God began to speak to me and, and, and he used that dog as an illustration of what worship should look like for the believer. And so I want to bring out some of those points and I'll expand on that as we go through uh just maybe what God was speaking about when he said that that was a pretty good example of, of, of worship and something that, that we could emulate. Um, so just um, kind of everybody starts out by looking up the Greek, uh, the, the Greek and the Hebrew uh, root words for, for whatever their, their topic is. So I looked up the Greek and the Hebrew uh, root words for, for worship. And the, the word from Greek that's normally translated as worship in the Bible is proskunio. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not, I, you know, but uh, it looks like proskunio to me. And it's interesting um, that, that I'm, I'm using a dog as kind of an illustration here because the, this uh, proskunio literally translated is kiss like a dog licking his master's hand. Isn't that interesting? You know, and, and that brings a picture to your mind of the submission, 
you know, when, when, when you've got a pet that you're really attached to and is really attached to you, and that dog comes and licks your hand, it's a sign of submission, it's a sign of trust, it's a sign of uh, the relationship that that animal has with you, completely trusting in you as their source. Um, and so I think that that's, it gives us an interesting picture, but it's interesting the correlation between what God was speaking to me while I was uh, hunting it and then what the, the Greek translation of that word is. So that, that resonated with me. Hopefully that resonates a little bit with you this morning. It also means to fawn or to crouch. That is literally or figuratively. So either to physically be prostrate or to in our spirit be prostrate oneself in homage, do reverence or to adore. The Hebrew word is shacha. Again, I don't know about the pronunciation, but it means to prostrate, especially reflexively in homage to royalty or God to bow, etc. So when you when you think about that and uh, kind of process that, what you're really doing is you're expressing your love for, in this case, God when we worship. It's really an expression of our love for Him. It's really an expression of our appreciation for Him, our reverence for Him, or the, the adoration that we have for Him uh, when we worship Him. Now, um, <clears throat> my notes get a little bit scattered. I've got, uh, this was the notepad I could find, so I've got my rainbow notepad with all my notes uh, scratched on it. Um, and some of this uh, got written down here at 3 o'clock this morning. I think it was 3 o'clock this morning. With the time change, I'm not sure, but... Uh, so uh, you'll have to bear with me as I try to interpret interpret my notes. But uh, our worship is an expression of love, and uh, I want to look at Matthew uh, chapter twenty two verses thirty seven and thirty eight. And so this is the passage where uh, I believe it was a, a young lawyer came to Jesus and asked him what the most important commandment was. And, you know, when you think about this in context of um, of, of the, the, the Hebrew faith and the Old Testament, um, you could almost say that this is he's asking what the meaning of life is. What's the point of life? Because, you know, their um, the the Hebrew lifestyle was very faith centric. Their life was supposed to be centered on God, and so when he's asking what the most command important commandment is, he's really asking what the meaning of life is. I believe. Um, and in verse thirty seven, Jesus said to him, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind." This is the first and great commandment, and the second's like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law in the prophets. So Jesus is telling uh, this young lawyer that the most important commandment, and really I think we can take it to mean the meaning of life, the purpose of life, number one is to love God. Now, I said a few minutes ago that if we're looking at worship as only that 30 minutes when we come together on Sunday morning and corporate body and, and, and corporate setting and we're, we're, we're worshiping Him. And we said, you know, worship is expressing our love for Him, showing our love for Him. If we're limiting our worship to Sunday morning, we're missing the purpose of life, really. We've been called, we've been commanded as our number one commandment is to worship. It's to give love. It's to express our love for our Father God. And so, now we can't just lift our hands and, and, and praise all day long. We've got things to do, right? Well, those things, when we dedicate them to the Lord, they become acts of worship. Uh, those things that He's purposed for us to do become acts of worship when we're obedient to Him. Um, in, in John chapter 4, uh, verse 19 through 24, this is the passage where 
the Jesus is visiting with the woman at the well, and she happens to be a Samaritan woman, I believe. And uh, she, uh, <laughs> it's kind of an interesting conversation that they have because uh, they're talking about Jesus being able to give her living water. So he's asked her for a drink from this well, which well, probably wouldn't even be lawful for a Jew to accept a, a drink from a Samaritan. And and uh, so she's that's kind of interesting to her. And uh, so he he says, if if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for living water and you'd never thirst again. And she says, well, give me some of this water. And he says, well, go get your get your husband and 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 I'll give you both a drink. And she says, well, I I don't have a husband. And he says, well, rightly so. You've had five and the guy you're living with now is not your husband. So that shakes her up a little bit. Then she wants to change the subject. And so she says, I perceive you're a prophet. Um, um, so, you know, we Samaritans, we worshiped on this mountain and the, the Jews, they say they're the Hebrews. They say we should worship in in Jerusalem. And uh, and Jesus says, um, I'm telling you that the time is coming and it now is that the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. OK, so this is a this is a paradigm shift from uh, the Old Testament. And it's interesting because God had had given quite a prescription for worship in the Old Testament. OK, uh, and there were only certain people that could approach his presence and come into what was called the Holy of Holies. And they had to go through uh, rituals and make sure that they were purified. They had ropes and bells on them. So when they went in, if the bells quit ringing, they pulled them out by the rope because they were probably dead in there. Okay, That was the, 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 the rigidity of, of worship at that time. In fact, uh, we can uh, look in Leviticus... Uh, Uh, Leviticus chapter 10. And it's, this is an interesting story that you probably don't hear in church a whole lot. Uh, it says, Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron. So these guys were Levites. They were priests. Uh, one of the commandments was that... or the Orders of worship was that only Levites could be priests, that they could go uh, before the Lord, they could offer uh, sacrifices, and you know, there was just a whole, you know, you can read the chapters leading up to chapter 10 in Leviticus and, and see all the different things that were prescribed for worship. But uh, so, so these two guys, they're Aaron's sons, they each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. I don't know what profane fire is, um, but it must be pretty bad. But God, I, I think what made it bad was that they were doing something outside of God's commandment here for them. Uh, so the fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. Now this is a pretty interesting uh, passage because it shows us that God has a structure for worship. God has a way in which He wants to be worshipped. And you know, from uh, this time forward until Jesus came, uh, they were only to be worshipped in a certain way, or God was only to be worshipped in a certain way uh, in the way that He commanded. Then I believe... For us today, God is to be worshipped in a certain way. Jesus says those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. For God is spirit. Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit. So um, so I, I believe it's important for us today. Now, we don't see God striking people dead today. Uh, but I think it's still important that we follow His instruction for worship, when when Jesus said those who worship Him must worship Him in, in spirit and in truth, I think we need to take that to heart. We need to break that down and 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 think about what that means to really worship Him in spirit and in truth. So when you think about your spirit, it's the essence of who you are, right? So you know this this physical body is just a it's just a just a 
a house for my spirit to walk around in while I'm here. That spirit is who I really am. It's the essence of who I am. So I think when Jesus says that we need to worship Him in spirit, we need to worship Him with who we really are. We've been talking about authentic faith, and I think that that applies very well to worship. We need to be authentic worshipers where we're worshiping Him from the very core of who we are. Um, and I, I believe that to worship Him uh, requires obedience. Now, it's interesting. Um, we talked about the illustration of, of my dog, Kit. And, you know, she is in the field a very obedient dog. Um, you know, she works within a, a certain range that we've kind of established through a lot of time spent together. Uh, I've got a shot collar that she wears, um, and I hardly ever have to use it except that it has a tone on it that just makes a, a buzzing sound. And when she hears that buzz, she'll look to me and I can direct her. She can be 50, 60 yards out in the field and I can point in a certain way and she'll go the way that I, I point her to. I can direct her to patches of cover. Uh, she's got a, she's been whistle trained so that, um, I can use my voice to give her commands, but I can also use my whistle. And if I blow the whistle one time, it means to stop right where she's at and, and just freeze and wait until I tell her to go again. If I blow the whistle three times, that means to come to me. And she's very obedient in obeying the commands that I give her. Um, when I first started working with her, I'd, I'd, I'd start them out on a what's called a check cord, and it's about a 50-foot long uh, rope. You know, kind of a fine rope. It's a nylon rope, um, it, so it'll go through the grass really easily. It doesn't get tangled up. But she was a really young puppy, and I'd been working with her on woe. That's the most important command for a, for a bird dog because you want to be able to stop them wherever they're at. If you have to go pick them up, that's fine, but it, um, you want to be able to stop them. And so uh, we'd been working on woe for quite a while on, on that check cord. And uh, you, when I first start out, I tie the rope around my waist so that she can never get too far away from me. She's restricted to that length of rope. Well, um, on this particular night, uh, I, I just recently stopped tying the rope around myself. I, so she was on the rope, still dragging the rope, but I, it wasn't attached to me. And uh, I just started training her on the whistle. So she knew, whoa, from my voice command, but then... What you do is you blow the whistle one time and then holler, whoa, and then she stops. And pretty soon she starts realizing that, that, that when that whistle blows, that means whoa, and, and she makes that connection to her head. Well, she was, a, she was really good at understanding communications, and it only took three or four times with that whistle before she understood that that whistle meant whoa. Well, and I don't know, she's probably about a nine-week-old puppy at this point, and uh, uh we're out, and, and she's, she's on the check cord, but the check cord's about 10 foot past me, the end of it, so I can't get a hold of it. And all of a sudden, a rabbit jumps up right in front of her. And now that, the temptation to chase a rabbit for a young puppy, you know, most of us have at least been around a young puppy, uh, they really want to chase that rabbit. And for a hunting dog, I mean, that's just, you know, beyond temptation. And so that rabbit jumps up right in front of her. And I have no way to stop her except for that whistle. So I'm like, well, I'm going to try it. So I hit that whistle and she froze up and let that rabbit run away. Okay. That, and I, that was when it really, uh, was impressed upon me. This is a pretty special dog. If, if she has that level of obedience at that age, um, with, with that kind of temptation in front of her, uh, to, to stop like that on a dime, uh, that's pretty incredible. But that sh demonstrated how much she wanted to please me. You know, even though her desire, everything within her was telling, her instincts even were telling her, chase that rabbit, try to catch that rabbit, see if you can get that rabbit. Everything within her told her to go get that rabbit. But on one command, she froze up and her will was surrendered to me. That's a nine-week-old puppy, ten-week-old puppy. Carrie, Carrie was with me that night. She saw it happen. I'm not, I'm, I'm not making this up. And it was, we both looked at each other and went, holy cow, 
That's awesome. Well, that's obedience. You know, everything within us sometimes is telling us one thing and God's saying another. To, okay, I'm, I'm going to obey. That, that is submission to the will of the Father. That is obedient worship. When we surrender at that level that, God, it's not my will but yours be done. Uh, John fourteen fifteen says, If you love me, keep my commandments. That's a pretty simple that's a pretty simple statement, right? If we're going to express love for the Father, if we're going to worship him, we gotta obey him. That's just just all there is to it. Worship, I believe, starts with obedience to him. The next thing that I want to bring out is being all in. Everything we got committed to Him. You know, uh, again, talking about, about my dog Kit, she's got, she got an incredible nose. You know, I, I, did a, I did quite a little bit of research before I, I bought this dog and I paid, I bought the most expensive dog I found actually, not because it was the most expensive, but by the research that I did really showed me that this dog had the genetics that I was really looking for uh, in a dog. And so she's got an incredible nose. Again, she's, she's very trainable. And you can tell that by the genetics. You can look at the parents and, and see how they were, and you got a pretty good idea of how that, that puppy's going to be. And so I did research, and I found this specific dog, this specific crossing that, that would be perfect for, for what I wanted. Um, and and so she's got this great nose. She's got great drive. I mean, Pastor and I walked 10 miles hunting pheasants one day, just short of 10 miles. He had his little Fitbit on, and we walked 9.8 miles. The dog ran 50, 60 miles probably that day in the time that we walked 10. I mean, she's got incredible drive um, and just, you know, an athleticism to her that, you know, she just doesn't stop and... and uh, but the thing of that is, she's got all of that incredible talent and ability. She's got that drive where she wants to chase the rabbit. She wants to find the bird. She wants to chase the deer. Whatever it is. But all of that ability that, that I don't even understand. You know, I don't know how she smells a bird. She'll, she'll pick up a trail of a bird that went through hours ago and follow it and find where it's feeding. You know, she might track it for... Five, six hundred yards sometimes. I don't know how that works. That's a, it, it's, it's mysterious to me. It's a, you know, how, how that, how that happens. But she, she understands a world that I can't even imagine, right? But, even with all of that, that I, that I don't even understand, it's all for my benefit. All of those skills, all of those talents, all that innate instinct that she has, it's all in there and she uses it all to help me do what I want to do. She's, all of that that she has within her is, is totally committed to my benefit. Now, it's interesting. So I picked out this dog that had all these traits that I was really looking for. And if I wanted to use her for another purpose, she wouldn't be the right dog. She wouldn't do Mike any good. Even though she has all this incredible ability and stuff, she's afraid of cows and want to get near one. Okay, and so she, if, which is great for me because I don't want her chasing cows. You want to get kicked off of a place where you got permission to hunt? Have a dog run a cow through the fence. You're off. I mean, it's over. They might shoot the dog before you get out. Of it. You'd be lucky not to get shot yourself, right? So, uh, you know, that's a great trait for me. That's a terrible trait for Mike. That's not what Mike wants at all. Okay, uh, this dog. One of her one of her weaknesses in hunting is she doesn't really like to retrieve. Now she loves finding a, a bird once it's down. She likes to go find that bird on the ground. And you know I've got a picture in my mind of a of a bird that I knocked down this year and and uh, 
I just winged it, and it was a pheasant. And pheasants have a t- tendency to run when they when they get knocked down. And he he flew a ways before he went down, and then he went down quite a ways out there. And that dog was out there, and that bird's running, and she's she's right behind him. And it kind of reminded me of Pac-Man, you know, like this. And that dog that bird's running out in front of her, and she'd catch a tail feather, and she thinks she had him, and that bird had just dig in with his feet and all of a sudden the tail feather would pop out and the dog's running again and the, and the bird's running again. And she finally got him run out. But she loves that part of it, but she doesn't want to bring him back to me. You know, she'll, 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 she'll say, hey, the bird's right here. If it's dead, she'll go find it and kind of point it and then realize that it's a dead bird and then she'll move off. So she's really good at finding him, which is great, but she's not great at retrieving. Now, I haven't spent a lot of time training her on retrieving because I don't care so much about that. If she'll find that bird, I'm fine with walking over and picking it up myself. So it's not something that I'm, I'm uh, uh, really worried about. But if I wanted to hunt ducks, she wouldn't be any good at all. Because for one thing, she's a short hair, and as soon as she got in the water, she'd be cold. She likes to swim, but she wants it as warm as I want it when, when you swim. And so she's not going to want to go get in that ice water and get cold. And she doesn't really want to retrieve. Her, her drive is to find live birds and point them for me. Her drive isn't to, to retrieve. And so all of her talents that she's got are all in for me. And I picked her. You'd almost say I, would, I designed her um, for those purposes and i'm not so much worried about other purposes i don't care if she can't work cows i don't care uh if she retrieves all that much i'd like her to but it's not that big a deal to me and so um i know who she is i know what her strengths are and i know what i expect from her and what i want out of her i've got it in my mind and and there's other things that I'm not concerned. If, if, if I wanted a great retriever, I would have bought a dog that, was a, that had the instinct and the drive to be a great retriever. If I would have wanted a cow dog, I would have bought a dog that had a great instinct and a drive to be a cow dog. So I think that's interesting for us to think about because when we're talking about being all in and authentically being all in, it's who we are for Him. Okay, It's who we are for Him. You know, I was... Uh, in a service uh, in a large church last summer, and there was a worship leader there. He just an incredible talent. I mean, he had a great singing voice. He played the piano really well. And um, I'm I'm in that worship service, and I'm thinking, man, you know, I don't think no matter how much I practice with my guitar, I'm never going to be that kind of a musician. I don't think, you know, I'm never going to have that kind of a singing voice. It's just not in me. And I felt in my spirit God saying to me. I didn't call you to be Him. I called you to be you for me. And that's why a Mercy Me song sounds a little bit country when I do it. Right? Because guess what? I'm not called to be Mercy Me. I don't have to be Mercy Me. I have to be me for Him. All of who I am for Him. And that's not saying He's not going to call me to grow He's not going to stretch me. He's not going to challenge me to get better in the gifts that He's given me. Pastor talked a lot last week about the talents and the gifts that He's given us and, and using them for Him. And, and when we start to invest those in His kingdom, we're going to see you know, the guy that started out with five, he got five more. Okay? We're going to see that growth and we're going to see that development. We're going to see that change. But God didn't call you to be somebody else for Him. He called you to be you for Him. The things that, guess who created you? Guess who knew you before you were even in your mother's womb? Guess who loved you before you even knew you were you? He did. He designed you. He created you. And He did it for a purpose. And that purpose is the things that He placed in there. So He's not asking you to be something you're not. He's asking you to be everything that you are to the best and to the fullest. You know, uh, the... Word tells us that, um, and we read it in Second Corinthians this morning in Sunday school class, that uh, when we are in Christ, we're a new creation. And that's true. We are a new creation. But those things that God innately put in us, the way that God designed us, He still wants us to be that way. And I think a good example of this is, is the Apostle Paul. Um, it's pretty interesting when you, when you think about the Apostle Paul 
and when he was Saul before his conversion, uh, we know some things about his uh, character traits. Um, <clears throat> I want to look at Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to see a little bit about Paul there. Uh, where am I at here? And this is the guy that wrote most of the books that we have founded our New Testament faith on, right? Um, so pretty good uh, uh, example to look to here. Um, so it's interesting what, what Paul has to say. He says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. Now listen, he's going to tell you who he was and why he would have had confidence in the flesh. This is be, he's talking about before, uh, be, before he became Paul, when he was still Saul, he could have said these things. These things would have been true about him. Um, if anyone else thinks he, might, he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. I want to read a few more verses there because I like them. But this is all in, folks. This is all in because what he described there was what he had dedicated his life to before his conversion on the road to Damascus. We don't have a complete understanding, I don't think, of what he's saying here because we don't understand, we don't know the Levitical law. We don't know what it, what all of these things that he's saying mean. Uh, but this is a dedication of life toward fulfilling the law of Scripture. And uh, it was a very rigorous challenge. Uh, this would have taken a tremendous amount of study of, of the, the Torah. Um, this would have taken... Um, and, and so there was a certain level of pride. There was an incredible level, actually, of achievement that Paul had risen to within the church at this time. In fact, we know that what what... What Paul was doing when he was Saul was he says right here, his zeal was to persecute the church because it was coming against what what his faith was, what the what the uh, uh, the belief of the law was, uh, this this message of Jesus Christ. So he was persecuting the church, actually going around and killing people uh, because of their faith in Christ before he was converted. And, you know, it's interesting when when Paul uh, was converted was converted he he became a new creature but those character traits that zeal that passion that he had the knowledge of the law all of those things paul still had all those things and god used all of those things that paul had before uh so this verse uh, this verse 7 says but what things were gained to me these i have counted for loss to christ so he gave all those things up for christ but then, if you think about it, God used all those things in Paul's character. God used all those things in Paul's past to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That zeal and that passion that Paul had. Um, turn over to Second uh, Corinthians, uh, starting in verse 11. And tell me what kind of zeal and passion Paul had. Uh, chapter 11, verse 22. <clears throat> He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. 
in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily. Does this sound like a guy that lost his passion and his zeal when he became a new creature in Christ? I think it was just magnified, right? So all of those things that were in Paul's character before, all the ways that God created Paul before, God used for His glory and His gain once Paul was converted on the road to Damascus. He wasn't looking for Paul to be somebody who he was not. He was looking for Paul to be everything that Paul was for him. God's not looking for you... now. This isn't saying if you're really good at drinking, God wants to use that. I, I, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not saying that we're going to justify sin through this. Okay, we're not going to justify the sin nature and say, well, God just made me a sinner. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those character traits that you have, those qualities that you have. God wants you to use those things for His purpose, for His kingdom. He's not asking you to be somebody you're not. He's asking you to be everything that He created you to be for Him. Does that make sense this morning? And that kind of obedience, that kind of commitment, that kind of being all in, that's true and authentic worship. And that's something that's not 30 minutes on Sunday morning. Not only 30 minutes on Sunday morning. That's seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Being all in for Him. Letting that passion permeate through us. Using the gifts that He's placed in us. You know, uh, I enjoy wrestling. I I have since I was a little kid. Um, It's something I enjoyed participating in. When Trevor started wrestling, I kind of got involved in coaching because I was helping him. And and, uh, people kind of recognized through that that I had some, some, some... ability toward that way and and I became more and more involved as a coach and pretty soon I was a head youth coach and and then uh even a head high school coach and uh but it it was all about helping Trevor be a better wrestler and and giving him the best opportunity to to succeed as a wrestler so when when he finished up his wrestling career um I you know wrestling takes a lot of energy it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of my uh, just commitment, and so when he finished wrestling, then then I decided to quit quit coaching wrestling and uh, have that time back, and and then um, so I sat out a year, and then this this fall I got a call from from uh, the youth wrestling program, and they said, hey, we'd like you to come back and and coach youth wrestling for us, and I said, I, you know, I'll have to think about that. So I I I, I went home and. Or actually, they called my wife, actually, because I guess that's the only way people could get a hold of me or get through to me, maybe. And uh, so so I said, well, tell them I'll think about it. And because I was really trying to figure out a way to say no and, you know, not like, I don't know, let them down easy or whatever it is. You know what God said to me? He said, what else are you going to do during that time? What What are you going to do instead? That's what he said to me. What are you going to do instead? He said, you have a talent for coaching. And I'm not blowing my own horn. I'm not the best coach in the world. But we had some good results uh, when I was coaching. He said, you have a talent for coaching. You have a passion for wrestling. You enjoy those kids. You, um, you, you spent all this time and all this experience to develop this. And now you're not going to use that, that gift that you have. So what are you going to do? Because by by coaching wrestling, you have a chance to invest in young kids' lives, which you say you care about, you, you have a passion for. You have an opportunity to reach parents of, of young kids, which you say you have a passion for. You have a chance to get involved in your community and love and demonstrate the love of Jesus to your community, which you say you have a passion for. What are you going to do instead of that? How are you going to use the gifts that you've been given during that time? 
You're going to sit on the couch and watch TV? What are you going to do instead? What could I say at that point? How, how do you say no at that point? Because guess what? I didn't have a better plan. I didn't have a better plan to use my talents and gifts. And this, this opportunity had just opened itself to me. This door had just opened to me. It's something I didn't seek out. It's, it, it came and found me. How do I say no when I have an opportunity to use my gifts to love kids, to love parents, to love the, my community and demonstrate the love of Jesus to them? How do I say no? And this is what I'm talking about. He wants you for Him. He didn't ask you to be a wrestling coach. You might not have any idea how to do that. But you've got gifts. You've got talents. You've got abilities. And God is saying to you, what are you going to do instead of use those gifts? The gifts that I have placed in you, how are you going to worship me? How are you going to love me if not with the gifts that I placed inside of you? If not with the talents? If not with the abilities that I placed inside of you? Are you going to be all in for me? Are you going to take all of who you are and be that for me. That's the cha- that was the challenge to me, and that's authentic worship. That's authentically demonstrating our love for who He is. That's authentically being obedient to, to who He's called us to be. And that's being everything that He has for us to be. I'm not putting myself up on a pedestal because there have been plenty of times that I've missed those opportunities. You know, And there have been opportunities that I was able to take advantage of because I said yes, that I would have never had. I would have never had if I wasn't coaching youth wrestling. Now, is youth wrestling a spiritual thing? Yes, it's a spiritual thing because that's a gift God placed in me, and He wants to use it to show Jesus' love to His to 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 the people that He cares about, to the lost, by using me in that way. So, yes, it is a spiritual thing. Is it a spiritual in and of itself? No. But it's a spiritual thing because He called me to do it. For Him. For Him. Love God, love people. That's authentic worship. The last thing that I have is knowing Him. Being intimate with Him. Spending time with Him. You know... uh, Kit, my dog, I spent hours and hours and hours training her on woe training. I spent hours and hours and hours training her when I blow the whistle three times to come to me. I spent hours and, you know, you spend that much time with anybody or anything. You form a bond, an intimate bond with them. And you really get to know, I know her personality. I know her character. And she knows my character. And she knows my personality. And then we've spent countless hours out hunting every weekend, at least at least sometime during the weekend, during the bird season, I go hunting. And sometimes it's multiple time, multiple days hunting. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, after work, if i got time, Pastor and I will grab a shotgun and go shoot a few grouse out at, out at Fort Robinson. I mean, I hunt her... Probably as much as any uh, anybody who's not a professional hunter hunts a dog. I, I spend an awful lot of time with that dog, and we know each other. And uh, this uh, this last hunting season, uh, we, were, we we went to a brand new area. Uh, it was down by uh, Kearney, uh, and I'd never hunted there before. A kid had never been there before, and and we knew there were some food plots on this wildlife area. And we kind of walked in a, about a mile, and and we found this food plot, and it was uh, standing corn. So the corn was oh about that tall. I mean, it's eastern Nebraska, and it was good rain this summer. So that that corn was up there, you know, six and a half, seven foot tall maybe. And uh, we got out in that corn patch. Well, it, that corn's really loud, and you can't see very well in it. You can't see very far in it. And that dog got, and I got separated. And it was loud enough, she, I don't think she could hear me. I couldn't hear her anymore. And we'd just kind of gotten to where we were going our separate ways. And, and I don't think she could hear the whistle anymore. So I was whistling for her and calling for her and looking for her. And I walked around. It was a pretty good-sized food plot. But I walked completely around, down the middle of it. And then I walked around uh, the perimeter of it. And I still couldn't find her. And I didn't know what to do. You know, uh, you hear about dogs, they, 
they they get lost this way. They'll get get off on a something and 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 chase a game trail and get lost, or they'll chase a deer and be miles away, or a rabbit and be miles away. And and so uh, I became a little bit concerned uh, about where she was at, and I'm you know running through my head what to do and. I just I, I start making my way back to the pickup. I even started to pray that she'd be okay. And I'm pretty attached to this dog. And uh, uh, I walked back to the pickup, and I, when I got about a quarter mile from the pickup, she stood up. She was at the pickup, and she started coming toward me. She knew where I was going to be. She knew where I was going. Okay, She knew, I, I lost him, but I know where he's going. I know where he's going to be. And I, I, and I want to... Uh, bring to your remembrance a couple of things uh, about intimacy and about knowing our God. Uh, John ten twenty seven says, My sheep know my voice and they follow me. Psalm 91, 1 through 2 is where we hear about the secret place of the Most High. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. See, Kit knew there was a place where I was going to be. And her desire was for me. Her desire was to please me. Her desire was to be with me. When she got separated from me, didn't know where I was at, she went to the very next place she knew I was going to be. She knew I was coming back to that pickup. And no matter, no matter what happened, she was going to be able to find me there. That was a secret place. That was a place that she knew no matter what, she was going to be safe and I was going to show up there. That's the intimacy we need to have with our God. We need to know there's a secret place. We need to know we're under His wing. We need to know where we can find Him. No matter what happens, there's a safe place we can go and we can have intimacy with our God. And that takes time. That takes knowing Him intimately. That takes Him knowing us intimately. That takes authentic faith. That takes authentic worship. That takes being real, being submitted to Him, and, and, and knowing and having that intimacy with Him so that we know where He's at. That, that takes time. That takes more than 30 minutes on Sunday morning. 30 minutes can be a, a great culmination of, of the worship that we've brought to Him all week. But it should just be a celebration of what He's been doing in our life all week. It should be a celebration of the worship that we've been giving Him all week long. It should be an opportunity where we can come. It's unique because we've got our brothers and sisters in Christ to celebrate what He's done and who He is with. But it should just be a, a small piece of the worship that we're giving to Him. We should have that secret place. We should have that intimate knowledge of who He is, of where He is and, and be able to go and worship Him on a daily basis, on a regular basis, three times a day, four, whatever it is. Have that secret place where we worship and have intimacy with our Father God. <clears throat> we need to know Him to that level. I know He's there. I know He's in the secret place. I've got that intimacy with Him. And you know, the kind of the, the, the final thing is, you know, with Kit, she does all of these incredible things. She's got all this hunting instinct and she, she wants to find that bird. But at the very last, most glorious moment, you know, there's a lot of times when, when she's within just a few feet of a bird and she knows that bird's there. I don't know what's there. There's times when I'll walk around and the bird won't get up and I won't believe her and then all of a sudden the bird jumps up right from where she said it was. She knows that bird's there, and she could jump in and catch it. She could have all the glory for herself. But the most glorious moment is when that, when that bird is harvested. I mean, that's kind of the pinnacle. That's the point of this whole thing. She gives that to me. She says, there's the bird, Dad. Go ahead and, go ahead and shoot it. Walk in, kick it up, shoot the bird. The glory goes to me. The glory of what we're doing goes to God. All of the things that, that, that are within us, all the things that we're able to do, the things that we've described, the gifts, 
That's all from Him. He gets all the glory. It's His Son. It's His blood that was shed. He's the one that paid the price. He's the one that gives us the opportunity to walk in these gifts, the opportunity to serve Him, the opportunity to worship Him, the opportunity to love Him. And at the end of the day, He gets all the glory. He gets all the honor. He gets all of the praise and our worship. Amen? Um, So that's kind of what I've got for you this morning on authentic worship. I hope that resonated with you the way that it resonated with me when when God was speaking it to my heart. And uh, um, I just encourage you, put these things to practice in your life if they're not there. I know there's a lot of this that's 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 part of your faith already. But just uh, begin to, 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 to look at the things that God has called you to do in obedience to Him as worship. That's authentic worship to Him when we obey Him, when we dedicate everything that we are to Him, His glory, His honor, His purpose. Amen? Thank you, Walt, for sharing your heart there. I believe um, a couple of things, just so we're all on the same page. Um, I'll pray for our meal that's coming up. We can get some tables out. But I know we haven't had a time of prayer yet this morning. And uh, just another opportunity to worship. So, Walt, if you and Carrie can come forward. I I, I don't ever want us to gather and people to feel like they didn't have a chance to present their needs before God. Um, So, uh, Walt can lead us in worship. If you need to go, if you need to to be whatever. Uh, uh, As he was was preaching, I was thinking about, you know, what are my gifts? You know, what does God God put in you? (laughs) Do I recognize the buzzer or the whistle? You know, am I hearing that, that voice of God? Am I willing to stop even when everything in me says go? Am I willing to go even when everything in me says no? You know, recognizing God and honoring Him. Um, and so just a, an opportunity for authentic worship. And I will say the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May He turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may your life be worship. May who you are be worship to your King. If you have a need this morning during this time of worship, I'm here as your pastor to pray with you. If you'd like to seek someone out in the church that you trust that can pray with you, seek them out. Um, But let's just allow God to have a few more moments this morning. Amen.